0: Welcome to News of the Times. This podcast is aimed for those with a passion for history and the human story. Through actual news articles of our past, I review the social media stories of their day, touching upon the lives, trends, and world of the everyday person. I am Robin Coles, and this is News of the Times.
1: Episode 14, Ghosts, Apparitions and Witches, 1716-1739 to Welcome to our seasonal special, Ghosts, Apparitions and Witches. These stories are culled from the newspapers of their day and are all genuine news articles and not, to the best of our knowledge, fictional pen stories. We hope you enjoy and wish all a spooky and safe All Hallows' Eve. The Time, 1716 to 1739. The Stories, Ghosts, Apparitions and Witches. From the Newcastle Current, March 1716, we have an account from Ripon in Yorkshire that the inhabitants there were in great consternation at an apparition that was seen there insomuch that they thought that the Day of Judgment had been at hand, and appeared to them like two armies fighting in the sky. From the Caledonian Mercury, February 1722, two sentinels in the foot guards are committed to the Savoy in order to be tried by a court-martial for raising a nonsensical story of an apparition of several men without heads in St. James's Park. From the Newcastle Current, April 1723, Our heads have been filled this week with the strange noise of a rumour of a kind of apparition of a sort of duel fought on Sunday evening, but whether it was on foot, or horseback, or in the air, they don't say. As omens of this kind generally forerun wars and calamities, a great many persons have been frightened by it, and some pretend to presage what will follow this unusual appearance. However, we don't find it has any great effect yet on the stock. The Caledonian Mercury, October 1724. The following account has been for some time the chief amusement of this city. A young spark who is a merchant's apprentice here was surprised in the middle of the day by the apparition of his uncle who had been dead for some years. He appeared to him in the shop whilst two or three women were present. The lad knew him at first sight and was in the utmost consternation. The spirit in an audible voice bid him hasten into Yorkshire To save an estate he was heir to, upon the death of a relation there, of which, if he did not take care immediately, he would be cheated, and then instantly disappeared. You may depend upon, for a matter of fact, for the young gentleman is now actually in Yorkshire, taking care of this very affair, of which the apparition gave him notice.' From the London Journal, February 1726. The Jews of this city are in great consternation on the account of a spirit that is said to haunt a boy whose father lives in Berry Street. The story is thus told by them. The lad went to school to the son of the deceased whose spirit is supposed to walk and who immediately after his death followed the boy wherever he went but he is so kind as to not appear to speak, but with constant knocking lets him know he is not far off. And many of them affirm to have heard it. They are so persuaded of the truth of it that many of them have undertaken to fast and pray a considerable time and give out that the Spirit will speak to them in forty days and the public may expect to be better informed concerning this story. From the Kentish Post or Canterbury Journal, May 1726, St Albans. On Saturday last, an old woman of the parish of Burnt Pelham in this county was, by virtue of a justice of the peace, apprehended for a witch, but being brought in in order to her commitment before another justice when several gentlemen were in his company, he acquitted her at first sight, having the opinion of all the gentlemen present to back him that she was too old and too homely for a witch. The report, however, was immediately spread about the county, and it being the opinion of the learned that none but the young and handsome are capable of being witches, it is said that several pretty young ladies of this said parish were so alarmed that they absconded upon it, an apprehension of being taken up for bewitching several of the King's subjects. Advertisement from the Newcastle Current, June 1726, their Friendly Demon, or The Generous Apparition, being a true narrative of a miraculous cure being performed upon that famous deaf and dumb gentleman, Dr. Duncan Campbell, by a familiar spirit that appeared to him in a white surplice, like a cathedral singing boy. From the Kentish Post or Canterbury Journal, November 1726, last week one white, a weaver of crediton, ripped up his own bowels with a penknife, which he had desired his wife to lend him, to pare his nails, and he died three days after. The coroner's inquest brought in their verdict that he was buried in Croft Row according to the law, since which a notion has prevailed that he haunts that place and has appeared too many. "'Tis certain that a young woman in that neighbourhood was so affrighted with this," pretended ghost that she took to her bed and died in two days. The rumour of this apparition is spread all over the county. From the Kentish Weekly Post or Canterbury Journal, November 1726, Schaffenhausen in Switzerland. We have been in great consternation in several places in Switzerland between the 19th and the 20th of this month on occasion of a light which appeared in the air from seven in the evening till midnight, and which was generally believed to have proceeded from some great fire. At Bern the alarm was very great, everyone crying that a fire broke out in the city or its neighbourhood. At New the governor was on horseback several hours to give the necessary orders in case of any accident the bells were rung there as they were also at lucerne and in several villages the peasants running here and there to help one another it has been since known that it was only a phenomena from the whitehall evening post january 1728 bologna on monday last came letters from the province della maria with the sad news that the 18th instant they felt a furious earthquake, that six days before a comet appeared at La Rocca, 20 leagues from Sinalia, and that the 17th another comet appeared in those parts in form of a cross, which was followed by the apparition of a young man on horseback, having on a headpiece and a plume of feathers which caused great consternation amongst the people. From the Newcastle Current, July 1728, we have a very unaccountable story here concerning a schoolboy that was found dead in a deep ditch a little way out of town. They took up the body and buried it without having the coroner, and about three weeks after the boy appeared in the school in his usual place, and a coffin behind him with a snuff-coloured waistcoat that his mother was mending at the same time. His brother said to the other boys, Here's our Jack, and because he didn't speak, threw at him and immediately he vanished. And all the church and school gallery were dark for two minutes, to their great surprise upon which they ran downstairs and liked to have harmed themselves. About three days after, he was seen by a man in the field where he was found dead. The man and boys were examined before Colonel Broadrep and made oath they saw the apparition and it being noted about the time. The gentleman left Saturday, sent for the coroner, who caused the body to be taken up and viewed by the surgeons, who found he was strangled, and the jury "'brought it in as willful murder. "'Several are suspected, but none as yet charged with it. "'They say the coroner has fined the town one hundred pounds. "'The boy was worth eight hundred pounds. "'From the Caledonian Mercury, August 1728, Vienna. "'Letters from Segedin in Hungary say "'that an old conjurer of eighty-two years old who had practised the black arts for the space of fifty years, was lately burnt alive with six other men, his associates, and also six witches. From the Caledonian Mercury, January 1731, Edinburgh. Both city and country have been for several days past amused with different accounts of the late apparition in the shires of Perth we have thought it proper to publish the following narrative, carefully taken down from the missive of a gentleman of an exceptional honour and veracity. One William Souter, aged about thirty-seven, a farmer in Middlemores belonging to the laird of Balgown, near Craighall, in the fields with his servants, near his own house, overheard at some distance... Uh, an uncommon screeching and noise, and then followed the voice. Fancied they saw a dark grey-coloured dog, but as it was a dark night, they concluded it was a fox, and accordingly were setting on their dogs, but it was observed that not one of them would so much as point their head that way. About a month later, the said suitor, being occasionally in the same spot, and much about the same time of night, it appeared to him again, and, in passing, touched him so smartly on the thigh that he felt a pain all that night. In December 1729 it again cast up to him about the same place, and passed him at some distance. In June 1730 it appeared to him, as formerly, and it was now he began to judge it was something extraordinary on the last Monday of November seventeen thirty about sky setting as he was coming from Drum Lodge, his officious visitor passed him as formerly in passing. He distinctly heard it speak with these words: within eight or ten days, do or die." and instantly disappeared, leaving him not a little perplexed. Next morning it, he came to his brother James's house, and gave him a particular account of all that had happened. And that night, about ten o'clock, these two brothers, having been visiting their sister at Glenhallow and returning home, stepped aside to see the remarkable spot, where they had no sooner arrived then it appeared to William who, pointing his finger to it, desiring his brother and servant who was with them to look at it, but neither of them could see any such thing. Next Saturday evening, as William was at his sheepfolds, it came up to him and audibly uttered these words, Come to the spot of ground within half an hour. Whereupon he went home and, taking a sword and a staff in his hand, came to the ground, being at last determined to see the issue. He had scarcely encircled himself within a line of circumvallation when his troublesome familiar came to him again. He asked it, "In the name of God, who are you?" It answered, "I am David Suter." George Souter's brother, I killed a man more than thirty-five years ago at a bush by east the road as you go into the aisle. Mr. Souter said, David Souter was a man, and you appear as a dog. It answered, I killed him with a dog, and am made to speak out of the mouth of a dog, and I tell you to go bury these bones. This coming to the ears of the ministers of Blair and the lairds of Glasgow and Rykalzy, about forty men went together to the Fair Isle, but after opening the ground in several places, found no bones. On the 23rd of December, about midnight, when William was in bed, it came to his door and said, Come away, you will find the bones at the side of the withered bush, and there are but eight of them left and told him at the same time that he would find the print of the cross impressed upon the ground. Next day, William and his brother, with about forty or fifty people, who had convened out of curiosity, came to the isle where they discovered the bush and the cross by it, and upon digging the ground about a foot down, found eight bones all of which they immediately wrapped in clean linen and being put in a coffin with a mortcloth over it, were then interred that evening in the churchyard of Blair, attended by over 100 persons. Editor's note, several people in that county remember to have seen David Suitor, and that he enlisted as a soldier and went abroad about 34 or 35 years ago from the Kentish Weekly Post or Canterbury Journal, September 1732, His Grace, the Lord Primate, returned yesterday from his visitation to Almar, which was held on the 24th of August. Mr Martin, the schoolmaster, declared publicly at the visitation that he was disturbed with witches and spirits. From the Newcastle Current, October 1733, Those who have read Hutchinson on witchcraft are fully convinced that the nation is under the dominion of witches and wizards. Though I must own, I do not think that our trade has thrived better since the time when that attack was made upon the kingdom of darkness. From the Derby Mercury 1735, A Discourse on Witches occasioned by a bill now depending in Parliament to repeal the state made in the first year of the reign of King James I, 1603, entitled An Act Against Coduration, Witchcraft and Dealing with Evil and Wicked Spirits, containing seven chapters on the following heads. 1 to prove that the Bible has been falsely translated in those places which speak of witchcraft. 2. That the opinion of witches has had its foundation in heathen fables. 3. That it hath been improved by the papal inquisitors, seeking their own private gain as also to establish the usurped dominion of their founder. 4. There is no such thing as a witch in the scripture, and that there is no such thing as a witch at all. 5. An answer to their arguments who endeavour to prove that there are witches. 6. How the opinion of witches came at first into the world. 7. The conclusion. From the Ipswich Journal, June 1735, Northampton, they write from Northampton that on Friday last was committed to jail Elizabeth Forton, on a strong suspicion of poisoning her husband, Thomas Forton of Weston and Weedon near Daventry, to whom she had been married about six weeks, by mixing a quantity of mercury with boiled bread and beer. A small time after which he was taken with a violent vomiting, and extreme pains in his stomach and bowels, in which he continued and languished between two and three days, and then expired. On the same day, John Kinsman, a poor shoemaker of Nisby, was, by upwards of a thousand spectators, very near relations to the wise men of Gotham, from all the neighbouring villages conducted to a great pond in Kelmarth Lordship and underwent the discipline of the ducking-stool, for being inspected as a wizard and conspiring with the devil, his master, to prevent the lazy dairy women's making good butter and cheese, etc. There was also one Barwick who, in his great integrity to see justice done, offered himself to, and did, take the same diversion in order to prove that the wizard could not be plunged under water, and so soon and easy as himself. Though it is said that another dipping would have brought many of the undertakers of this political way of trying wizards and witches to have made but an indifferent figure at our ensuring assizes, as was the fair for most of their neighbouring country folk a few years since. When a poor woman lost her life. From the Kentish Weekly Post or Canterbury Journal, February 1736. This day the Lords in a committee agreed to repeal the Act against witchcraft and added a clause that no persons shall be tried as witches but liable to be punished as cheats for pretending thereto. In 1737. An Aberdeenshire man called Geordie Watt went to his minister with an unusual conundrum. He was being tormented by the ghost of his dead mother. The spirit had informed him that it was the will of the great God that Watt should marry the family's serving girl, Tibby Mortimer, as she was destined for eternal glory. Unless what agreed to this unequal match he and his six brothers would be consumed with fire from heaven from the kentish weekly post or canterbury journal july 1737 i send you enclosed a very remarkable letter concerning the late cruel usage of a poor old woman in bedfordshire who was suspected of being a witch you'll see by it that the late law abolishing the Act Against Witches has not removed the credulity of the country people, but I hope it has made proper vision for punishing their barbarity on such occasions. From the Scots magazine, May 1739, we hear that the city and liberty of Westminster hath been lately infected with a most terrible apparition of ghosts which continually haunts the neighbourhood and puts them under dreadful apprehensions. It is often frequenting Westminster Hall crying, Justice! Justice! and hath sometimes the presumption to advance higher crying, Money! 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 It often talks in a confused and unintelligible manner of treaties, preliminaries, conventions, standing armies, civil list, secret service, and votes for credit, to the great astonishment of the inhabitants, who, not being the wisest men in the kingdom, are apt to be frightened with any bugbear. At other times he speaks very freely of kings, ministers, ambassadors, and politicians of all sorts. Various are the conjectures about this apparition. Some people suppose it to be the spirit of a departed statesman by calling it to it loudly and earnestly for money, but by talking so freely of kings, ministers, ambassadors and politicians, I take it to be the ghost of some discontented patriot who still haunts the place where once he resided, and continues to disturb it with posthumous complaints. I am credibly informed that application hath been made to several right reverend prelates to lay this spirit in the Red Sea, but they all desired to be excused from taking so long and expensive a journey, lest something might happen to their disadvantage during their absence by the death of their brethren. From the Scots magazines, December 1739, Indexes of the debates, essays, histories, etc. Seventeen thirty nine in Parliament, apparitions, the proposal of laying a terrible one that infests Westminster. You have been listening to the News of the Times special edition, ghosts, apparitions, and witches, seventeen sixteen to seventeen thirty nine, and I am Robin Coles.
0: Thank you for listening to News of the Times. New episodes incorporating a new span of time from history will be updated weekly. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can also check out our sister channel, Simply Stories, found on all your favourite podcast apps.